0: Thank you for joining us for Being a Parent is Hard. I'm Beth Feldman. I'm a clinical psychologist
1: and a relational psychoanalyst. And I am Jen Raddis. I am also a clinical psychologist with a cognitive behavioral approach. Welcome to our office. So, Jen, today I think we should talk about what you and
0: I talk in the hallway about all the time, mm-hmm. which is how to help parents and kids manage the pressures that are coming at them. Oh, absolutely. It's the pressure to excel academically. It's the pressure to have a wonderful mm-hmm. bar bat mitzvah. Yes. Oh, yes. Summer yes. camp experience. Absolutely. It's the pressure to excel on the sports field. Mm-hmm. It's the pressure to excel socially. Yep. And it's all around and it's can be overwhelming.
1: It's everywhere. And I think you and I see it in our offices on a daily basis, right? All of those things, the pressure to look a certain way, to feel a certain way, to have certain things, to just have your life orchestrated, you know, in these kind of created bubbles, right? And we deal with it all the time. So I think
0: that, you know, the question a lot of parents ask me is, well, if I don't put pressure on my kid, they're going to fall behind. I'm not sure what "fall behind" means, and that's kind of what I ask them. Yes, uh, but let's, let's you know, I'd uh-huh. like to give you tell you a story, okay. and and hopefully you'll do the same. Okay. That kind of describe some of the problems we see. Yep. So we saw a 15 year old young man in my office who came in because of overwhelming feelings of anxiety, and what we later came to understand was depression. He had a close group of friends. But he wasn't really interested in going out. He wasn't interested in girls. He wasn't interested in going to parties. He wasn't interested in sports. He wasn't interested in clubs. And so his parents were concerned about him. He did very well in school. He had like a three eight three nine 3.9 average. Doing very well, well in school. But he was taking um, a AP Bio, I think it was. And he wasn't studying as hard as his parents wanted him to study. and they threatened to take away therapy from him because they knew how much he enjoyed coming to therapy. And what wound up happening was, you know, he, he didn't buckle. He didn't like double down on his studying. He said he was doing fine in the class and, you know, he, I think he had a B plus, which certainly seemed fine to me. Um, but the parents wound up pulling him from therapy. Oh
1: no, really? Yeah. And,
0: uh, it, to me, that's just such an example because they were good people. Absolutely. They, they loved their son, but they felt this intense pressure yes. that he needed to excel. When I spoke with the mom, he said, she said, well, he, we want him to get into the very best school possible. Oh, that's
1: that very best again.
0: <laughs> yeah. And I said, well, why? And she said, so that he could get the very best job possible. And again, I said... Why, <laughs> right? Because right. she wasn't saying a job that would make him happy or fulfilled. They yes. didn't understand what she meant by best. And and it, it, I think it came down to though she didn't really articulate this, you know, prestige
1: mm-hmm.
0: and compensation. Yeah. And you know, we we talked a little bit about what are the things that are going to make her son a happy adult. Yes. A fulfilled adult. Um. So this is, you know, this was kind of one of the most extreme
1: examples I've seen. But it's an example of something we see a lot. Yeah, and I I don't think that it is an unusual example because I think that pressure to succeed, when we put that emphasis on that pressure to succeed, then we begin to see the things we see in our office all the time, that anxiety, that depression, that withdrawal from friends or activities, and that difficulty then that adolescents have in finding what do they think about things what do what do they like what do they want to do and then they construct these really small worlds for themselves and that always that that always raises flags for me as a therapist when there is that very kind of singular i i have to perform in this certain way kind of take on things and and so so he was in high school and at right, at AP Bio. And then a couple of weeks ago in my office was an an eighth grader. And here where we live, a lot of the eighth graders take earth science. Mm -hmm. And earth science is a high school level class, right? And so all of a sudden for the first time in their academic career comes a sentence that I have grown to really dislike. It is, well, but it counts. Uh Uh-huh. What do you mean it counts, right? It sort it of the hairs on the back of my neck just stood up. Exactly. Yes. Right? And so a couple of weeks ago I have this lovely 8th grader who for the first time is experiencing this intense academic pressure and I said, well, where is it coming from? It's just it's just a science class, right? We try to normalize the things causing stress to a certain degree. It's you know, it's a science class you've taken science before. Yes, but it counts. What do you mean it counts? Well, it's it's going on my transcript. Colleges are going to see it. It matters. And all of a sudden, it becomes the everything I do matters. Every grade I get, every homework I complete, every piece of this matters. And in you know, similarly, I always talk with, you know, my kids and adolescents and their parents to a certain degree. And that was the communication and the language going on at home without, again, with the very best of intent, but without sort of thinking about what did that message really yield, right? What was getting internalized was the, oh my God, every, like, you know, every T I cross and every, you know, I I dot is gonna matter. And it's it very thankfully, it's like it's not that it's not that serious. Right.
0: Right? Absolutely. We talk with kids about and with parents about the fact that your education is a marathon. Yes. So don't treat it like a sprint. Right. When you focus and highlight everything as being so critical, Mm -hmm. you're treating it like a sprint. And as you were saying, this makes kids you know, very performance-focused rather than effort-focused. It takes any possible enjoyment out of what they're doing. Mm -hmm. And in a lot of times, it it makes their self-esteem dependent on their performance. And those are not outcomes that we want at all.
1: No, and I think, I I like this idea that you have that that it is a, a marathon and not a sprint. Because, you know, you and I are both exercise people, right, and and have some experience with the idea physically of not marathon per se, but the idea of, mm-hmm. you know, long, long versus short. And it's true. It's I think it's helpful to think about education that way because – A marathon requires training, right? It requires like a step-by-step approach. It requires setting both short-term goals and long-term goals with the idea that you're achieving something over a long period of time. And that's what, that's what education is for children and adolescents, right? They are learning and growing. They're setting short-term goals, all right? I'm going to study for this test over the next couple of days. And they're setting longer-term goals. And this is the kind of future I want to have. This is the places I might want to go. And if you think about it that way, you're doing what you said, which is you're focusing on effort and process. And not just on outcome. There are millions of outcomes, some big, some small. But how you get somewhere is really what matters. How you get there affects who you get there as. Correct. Whether you get there as a
0: depressed, anxious person, or whether you get there as someone who can't wait to kind of burst out into adulthood and yeah. and pursue things. Yeah. You know, I I do think though that there are people listening to what we're saying. Like I have people in my office listen and they go like, no, 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 (laughs) no, 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 no. Almost as if it's dangerous. Because if they give themselves and their kids permission to relax a little bit, they're going to fall behind. They're going to not be as competitive. And I I say to these parents, in addition to the other things I've just mentioned, you know, if you're talking about like, career aspirations, med school, law school, this has far more to do with how they do in college wherever they happen to be. Yes, Very little to do with, not very little, but not a lot to do with what goes on now. Right. So we're not talking about kind of giving your kids the wink and the nod when they decide to blow off school because school is their job. Yes. And they should
1: take their job very seriously.
0: But it's about... Like you said, the process, relaxing into the process,
1: and I, I think I agree with you because I I think a lot of my parents would have that same visceral reaction, I, you know, parents and friends, and you know, I I think it is, I think it is the culture we live in, and that's a, probably a different conversation as to how we've gotten to this place as a society, um, but I, I I that that effort and that process is so is so important. Um, and and how you arrive, right, that's what we're doing. We're raising kids who are able to be independent, functioning humans. And we, we want them to arrive at all of their places in a way that feels good to them. Um, and as parents, you know, we want to take it's so hard, and we but we want to take as much joy out of them as possible. And if we are only looking at endpoint goals, right, then we're missing the marathon. We're missing the, you know, the road that turns them into people, you know, and as people that we've
0: raised. Absolutely. You know, you and I could talk about this forever. Mm-hmm. Um, the whole idea of focusing on the parents for a minute yeah. and, and- – Sorry, listeners may not like this so much, but I do feel compelled to say it. You know, sometimes it's kind of how our kids make us feel about ourselves. Of course. That they validate that we're doing yeah. a good job, or if they're struggling, that we're screwing up somehow. Yeah. And it's, it's important not to take it as a sign that that's what's going on. Yeah. Um, I think about, you know, I, I work with um, a kid who's, whose dad is on the soccer field. And he's screaming. Yeah. You know, and unfortunately for this young man, he's that parent who's screaming at his kid. Yeah. What the hell is the matter with you? Why aren't you paying attention? Things like that. And I think the dad gets wrapped up in the moment. Mm-hmm. The dad gets wrapped up in how his son makes him feel, Yeah. Like he's watching him, yes. what people might yes. be thinking. Yeah. Uh, yep and just to recognize as parents when our own buttons are being pushed. Absolutely. And a lot of times I find for myself if I have a really strong reaction to something, more often than not it's because an old button of mine has
1: been pushed. Yes. That's an excellent point. You know, we as parents, I think often we look at our children as reflections of us. And that's a that's a precarious place to be because they are they are their own individual people and i i agree i find a lot of the parents in my practice and and my own buttons get pushed as we look at our kids if we interpret their actions under the lens of somehow it says something about us or what kind of parents we are you know i see it i think also where we live there's also a lot of there can be a lot of pressure to dress a certain way to look a certain way there's a a uniform, a sameness. And I think those kids that want to step out of those parameters, out of those boundaries, whether it is, you know, the boys who only want to wear shorts, even when it's 30 degrees outside, or girls who want to wear something different than leggings and a sweatshirt Mm -hmm. to school. Or I remember when my own, who are much, much bigger now, you know, when my oldest wanted to dress herself in kindergarten and, you know, put together these outfits. And there was, you know, stripes and polka dots in 17 different colors. And I just thought, oh, my God, she's going to go to school looking like that. And I thought, well, so what? Mm-hmm. what? What what difference does that make? If that's a place for them to relieve some of the social pressure that they feel and express their uniqueness, then let them, let them do that. Right. So – you know, as we're talking,
0: you just see there's so much pressure out there in virtually every aspect of kids' lives. Yeah. And so much pressure for the parents. Um we didn't even touch on like financial pressure to keep up and those kinds of things. Absolutely. But um There's I, a lot of different podcasts in here. <laughs> <laughs> I think so. So let's get to the takeaway part. Sounds you good. Know, let's let's talk about what kind of important things parents can do. You know, my feeling is that kids in school, it's a marathon. It's not a sprint. So they can't be giving 100% all of the time. A, it's exhausting. B, it's anxiety producing. Yes. So I want to suggest that parents focus on effort. They focus on skill building. And they focus a lot on the all-important self-image and self-esteem of their kids you want to praise effort, and you want to literally throw a parade when you see improvement. Yes.
1: I don't think we do either of those things enough. And it it reminds me that our job is not to raise perfect humans. Our job is to raise independent humans. And I think that that's a good framework for parenting, right? Because there are concrete things you can do to raise independent humans, like giving them responsibility, right? Incorporating them into expectations on a daily basis of a family, giving them responsibilities, giving them chores, giving them tasks to do, whether it is set your alarm and wake up at 6.15 a.m., whether it is garbage day is Sunday and Thursday, those are your days to take it out. And then I think Every time they do that, to piggyback on what you said, you praise them. You reinforce the steps that they're taking to learn those independent behaviors. And so with a lot of praise and a lot of structure, it helps us to raise independent humans. Absolutely. You know, I think the other takeaway, it's kind of
0: two parts. One is, as a parent, I think it's super important to be aware of your own anxiety and your own competitive feelings and to be able to kind of have a handle on those, and to parent the kid in front of you. You know, each of our children has their own needs, their own special gifts, and it's really important to address those, to cater your expectations to their strengths and their needs. It's also important to listen to their passions and their interests, and to encourage the things about them that make them so wonderfully unique.
1: I think both of those things are important. And along those lines, when you're encouraging those kinds of things, whether it is in your child and their interests and their passions, or whether it is as a parent being mindful of our sense of competition or expectations, we are all going to make mistakes along the way. And what I think is really important is to not be afraid to discuss those mistakes. Whether it is a mistake you think that you made as a parent, or whether it is something that you deem to be a mistake that your child made, it should be open for discussion. Hey, I thought about this. I don't really like the way I handled it. I want to talk about it. I see you did this this way. I'd like to talk about other ways to handle that situation. I think we have to embrace our mistakes, right? We talked about that. They are a learning process. So concretely, sitting down and talking to your child about their mistakes, I think is incredibly important in teaching them.
0: Absolutely. You know, when we own our own mistakes as well, it takes the pressure off them. Yes. I think that makes a lot of sense.
1: Yes. I think those are some great concrete things that our parents can do. You know, if there are questions that you all have or topics that you want to hear about, please feel free to email Beth and I. Our email address is being a person is hard podcast at gmail.com. Thanks so much for listening. Take care.